0: This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 137. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Brown. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here with my beautiful, bald, Oh, I got it backwards today, but it doesn't matter because you're not wearing a purple shirt anyways Christopher j. Graham. You already screwed up the day today because I got the name wrong You didn't have your purple shirt on. I'm sorry. How are you doing now that you've ruined my day?
1: I'm doing pretty good I know how you're doing but because this is a podcast i'm gonna ask how you're doing what's new in your life brian yeah,
0: It's like the intro of this podcast is always such bullshit because like you and I talk for like an hour before we even record <laughs> So it's like, we don't have anything to catch up on. You know, everything since we last talked last week. This is true. Friday, it's like Tuesday now. So last Friday, my wife got tested for COVID because her friend got it that she was with for like a week, which basically guarantees my wife has it, which basically guarantees that I have it or will have it. So uh, I've been sitting just around waiting for the damn test results to get back in. And she called yesterday and they're like, call back Friday. We'll probably have an answer by then. It's like, great. It's good to know that in this city of Nashville, Tennessee, when you get tested, by the time you get your results back, all of the symptoms will have probably passed by you. And I felt nothing so far. So like if I have it, I could be just carrying it around town if I didn't have my test results back. Not that I would would do that because I know I'm at like high risk. So I'm self-quarantining the shit out of myself. But like there are people that they don't know they have it or they get a test and to make them wait over a week to get their results back is absurd to me. It's like so dumb. So that's how I'm feeling. How you doing Nick?
1: I'm good. I have anxiety for you about Um, uh, all of this.
0: It's like an impending doom, which is an old death metal band that we toured with back in the day, impending doom. And so that's how I feel.
1: Impending doom. Speaking of impending doom, I wanted to share a little (laughs) bit about what's been going on with me over the past couple months here. We'll get a lot more into this, but I mentioned before on the podcast that I was having a bunch of panic attacks and I ended up going to see a lot of doctors about this. And it turns out that I have unknowingly been struggling with PTSD for decades and wasn't diagnosed, didn't know it, and had been having flashbacks all the
0: time. So just to clarify, usually like this PTSD, I don't know much about it other than what you've told me. Is this something that lasts like a short amount of time, a long amount of time for most people? Like you have a different form than someone that maybe went to war or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, So the type of PTSD I have is called complex PTSD. We won't get into the really specifics of it, but it's something that happened when I was really young. And complex PTSD, when you have a flashback, you don't have images or memories. You have what's called an emotional flashback. So all of a sudden, all the things that you felt at a really terrifying time in your childhood just comes back to you all at once. So it's been interesting kind of going through my own mental health journey here. And I'm on Prozac for it now. And Prozac is sort of like the go-to first line of defense for PTSD. And it's been amazing. I'm still navigating all of this, but in a lot of ways, I didn't realize this, but I felt like I was carrying a bear on my back for decades. And now it's more like a golden retriever. (laughs) Why a bear? Why not like a yak? Well, because a bear might bite your head off with a flashback. What about a mountain lion? A mountain lion. Yes, um, well, a bear weighs more. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This is something like I'm completely in learning mode with this. I'm reading nonstop. I have learned more about mental health than I have about anything else in a shorter period of time, and I am going to kick the ass of this PTSD by doing the work. And this is great banter because I bought something that you don't approve of. This is banter? <laughs> this is banter.
0: Oh, Pretty heavy topic for some banter, Chris. It is a pretty heavy
1: topic. So the sort of like number one best selling book about PTSD of all time is this book called The Body Keeps a Score. I read it. I loved it. It blew my
0: mind. I cried a lot. Chris showed me his highlights in that book. I went all out. And it's like you literally have every three pages, you have a very neatly done sticky note sticking out of it. Sticky tabs. Yeah,
1: I did the sticky tabs highlight method.
0: I've never seen such a meticulously studied book in my life.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty into it. And one of the things I learned about PTSD in here, we'll get into a little bit of brain science, but the way the human brain works is the thalamus encodes all the information, things you see, things you touch, things you hear. And for me, a lot of my triggers, I don't love the word triggers, but that's the word that they use for PTSD, are auditory, which is hilariously ironic given that I am in the audio field. (laughs) And you've experienced flashbacks with me. One of the first times we hung out, we went to Summer NAM and we walked onto the floor and all the drums are playing.
0: I don't even have this thing that you've experienced. And I feel like a piece of shit when I walk through the drum area of NAM.
1: It was like a hell for me. And we ended up going over to a headphone company and buying like in-ears that I could jam in my ears just so I could stay on the floor.
0: There was no we involved with that headphone purchase, just for full clarity here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I bought a pair of headphones just so I was like, oh, cool, new headphones, and I can not hear everything.
0: I just tried them on, didn't like the way they sounded, and sat there while you purchased them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm like, it's weird. Now that I'm learning about what a flashback is with complex PTSD, I'm looking back and I'm seeing all of these times when I was having them in the past and just thought I was having like a lot of anxiety. Apparently, no, it was much more intense than that. I didn't know that. And in this book, The Body Keeps the Score, this is pretty cool stuff. I'm excited about it. There's all kinds of therapies that they recommend, all kinds of mindfulness techniques, stuff we're going to get way into in the future because mindfulness and the stuff that you do to recover from PTSD is stuff that you do to be healthy. It's good mind stuff for everybody. And one of the things this book recommended that blew my mind is called Neural Feedback. We are not sponsored by this company, but I ended up buying... A super dorky Star Trek style headband called the Muse 2.
0: And that's the gear slot alert for anyone who's wondering what that noise is right there.
1: There we go. Yeah. It's like 220 bucks. And you put this on your head and it measures your brain waves. And then you put headphones in your ears and you open up the Muse 2 app and it plays a soundscape for you. Could be a forest, could be a desert, could be an ocean. You choose. And the weather in this soundscape reflects your mental state. So if you are not calm and focused and meditating on your breathing, you hear a lot of wind or a lot of rain. The storm gets more intense. As you calm down, you get auditory feedback based on your brain waves. And eventually, if you do really good, you start to hear some little birds chirping. And it gamifies meditation.
0: And it's freaking cool. It's like a Bob Ross audio painting. Happy little trees, happy little wind, happy little birds.
1: I'm pumped about this. So back to the brain science. So the thalamus in the human brain encodes all the information. Then it goes to the amygdala, which is where my disorder is messed up. And the amygdala will take things that are not dangerous and it will say, oh, this reminds me of that time a long time ago. And it smashes the alarm button and all these chemicals hit your bloodstream. And then a little while later, your conscious mind becomes aware of whatever is going on whatever stimulus, whatever trigger, et cetera. So it's weird. You feel, at least for me, I sense the danger before I'm aware of why. And all of a sudden knowing about complex PSD or CPTSD is is, uh, what it's called for short. Now, as I recognize these triggers, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like feel danger in my skin because I heard a noise behind me, but I didn't hear the noise first. I felt the danger first.
0: I can see how this ties into panic attacks a lot. Because you have this feeling of in, like impending doom surrounding you at any given time and you don't know why.
1: Yes. Well, and that's my first panic attack. There was this really weird moment where I had this super intense impending doom thing. And then it just, a lot of times with the previous panic attacks I was having, they would just kind of go off the rails. It would cycle. You know, I'd start to have a panic attack, which would cause more anxiety, which would trigger me again, which would cause more anxiety, which would like, I would just kind of go downhill. And it would spiral out of control. And now that I finally understand what a panic attack is, what that feels like, and most importantly, what an emotional flashback feels like, I recognize when my body's lying to me. And you know, it's a terrible disorder because what happens is people that have complex PTSD and traditional PTSD will have flashbacks and they feel attacked. They feel like they're in danger, so they often lash out at people around them. And I'm looking back at my life and recognizing, oh that's why that happened. That's why I reacted in that way. This mental health thing and my pursuit of my own mental health is going to be my job for the rest of my life. It's going to be the most important thing because it has to come first. Everything else that you do in life is affected by your mental health and I'm on a new journey with this and so we'll be talking about this a lot more and I think this is going to be really applicable um, to us as an audience because one of the things, just going to throw out a theory here, one of the things that helps with PTSD is music and rhythmic things. It brings you into the present moment. The problem with PTSD is you get obsessed with either the future or the past and you're not in the present. And music is really helpful in that. And I think that's one of the big reasons I got into music in the first place is that I was self-medicating by doing things that forced me to be in the present moment, which helped me alleviate my PTSD symptoms. So I would play guitar or I would wanted to work in a studio. I felt Music was helpful for me, and it was on a deeper level than it would have been for a normal person. So, I suspect that there are a lot of people in our industry who struggle with this, who are medicating with music. And that's why music has such a strong draw because it really does help with certain types of mental health issues, in particular PTSD.
0: Yeah. So, if you go back to episode number eight, and we had a replay of it recently, episode talks about why marketing is not the solution for most struggling home studios. That entire episode. The core of that is based around something I call the studio business hierarchy and it's basically like maslow's hierarchy of needs The very bottom of that pyramid the thing that your entire business is built on is your mindset and psychology So if your psychology is fucked It's really difficult to build a business that is going to be either short-term successful or long-term successful If you have underlying mental issues that are unresolved and all that being said, like this sort of stuff is going to definitely be a big part of what we talk about in the future, especially as you get through this journey and you learn and learn and like you find ways to adapt and cope and ultimately deal with the core issues. So again, this is something that we will be talking about a lot in the future because I, kn- I know our audience struggles with this, like yeah, as a whole, not everybody, obviously, but there's a large segment of our audience that struggles with mental health. And so this is something that is like, it is our duty to help out as much as we possibly can. Super
1: pumped about that. Yeah, you know, honestly, you hit the nail on the head there. And one of my thoughts as I've been on this journey the past couple of months, and especially the past couple of weeks, as I'm learning more about this, as I look back at my businesses and their success, and I'm like, how? <laughs> how did I pull this off? I would have flashbacks while I'm working and would think that I was frustrated about something in work. No, something else had triggered me from an, like probably a sound, probably behind me, but there's a, a number of other things that have an impact as well that we'll get more into in the future, and as I'm starting to kind of grow through this, I'm finding different areas as I work again as i'm I'm back at work I'm finally catching up, and I'm noticing like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be so much better at a, b c, d e f, and G now that I understand how to manage this piece of my mind that would run off the rails sometimes. So I'm super excited to talk to you guys more about this in the future. This isn't the topic of this episode, yeah. But if you want to check out the Muse 2, a lot of people use it for performance enhancement as well. There was a study done that was mentioned in the book, The Body Keeps the Score, where musicians did this neural feedback training that helped them get into the zone. It helped them clear their mind before they perform. And this was like in classical music. The A-beat split test basically saw a 10% improvement in the performance of the piece of music after they had done neural feedback
0: training. And just so everyone knows in my show notes for the outline here. The bullet point for this topic is talk about your stupid headband when Chris got on the call like we're on zoom right now So there's a video of me and him right now And so he had this really dumb looking headband on his head and it was this neural thing that he's talking about I still don't believe it. I still think it's like snake oil bullshit.
1: It's crazy, man
0: But I will say man, you know ever teach their own so if you think it's real then I won't fight you too much on it. And our audience can make up their own damn minds if they want to spend $220 on some snake oil.
1: Well, I'm still, I've only used it three times so far. So (laughs) far, I've been really impressed. So some people use it to treat ADD because ADD, attention deficit disorder, which I was also diagnosed with a long, long, long time ago, which might've been a misdiagnosis. It might've been PTSD all along. I don't know either. Because sometimes ADD and PTSD have overlapping symptoms, but people with ADD will use this treatment as well because it teaches them how to clear their mind and focus and get rid of all the noise and the intrusive thoughts and stuff like that. So I'm obsessed with all things tech,
0: especially if it
1: involves headphones. So... I thought it would be worth bringing up.
0: That's true, man. You can sell pretty much anything to Chris if it involves headphones. So if you want to scam Chris out of some shit, just make sure (laughs) there's a headphone involved with it. This is true. Sorry. You want to move into the actual topic today, Chris, now that we're like 15 minutes into the intro? Yes, please. Let's do it. So today our topic is, it's a sales and marketing conversation, which is a complete shifting of gears from what we just talked about. This is, we're getting away from the mental health thing. That is something we will definitely be coming back to again and again in the future and in full on future episodes. But we wanted to talk about this topic today because this is something I've seen recently a lot in our group coaching calls with PPC. This is something I've seen in a few one-on-ones that I've done with people. And this is like a fundamental issue with people's businesses, specifically studio owners, that I see time and time and time and time again. And me and Chris are going to try to dissect this issue. And I'm going to try to do the best I can to explain this issue. And Chris, you might want to have to back me up here because I tend to go off the rails with this sort of thing. But the issue I see is this people tend to list their services on their website or social media, or when they're talking to someone in a sales conversation, they just talk about their services as it pertains to the service itself. I offer mixing services, period, or I offer mastering services, or I do editing, or I do reamping, or I do recording, or I do production, or I do demo work, or I do on location recording. That's the extent of their marketing message. And where that falls short is they in no way paint a picture. They in no way do anything to help the potential client understand the before and after state involved with you getting hired. So our message today and what we're trying to get our listeners to leave this episode with is getting you to think through the before and after transformation that your services bring to your clients. Chris, do you have anything to add to that before we actually dive into this? Because I feel like I did a half-ass explanation there. Have you ever actually sat down and thought about where your next client will come from? Most freelancers don't. Because most freelancers' number one strategy for getting new clients is something called hope marketing. And if that sounds like you, you're not alone. Most freelancers think that just by putting out great work, clients will come banging down your door to hire you. Now, while you obviously do need to be good at what you do, we both know that this strategy does not work. Otherwise, your calendar would be 100% booked solid with amazing projects from your ideal clients. So to help you with this fight against opium addiction, I'm excited to announce that our flagship coaching program, Clients by Design, has finally opened up applications again. This transformational coaching journey is not a one-size-fits-all. It's tailor-made just for you. We'll do a deep dive into your business to see what's missing, and we'll lay out a step-by-step roadmap to guide you over the next six to eight months. And here's the best part. We don't just give you the plan and send you on your way. We give you personal one-on-one help so you never get stuck. And we make sure you actually follow through with something called our absolute accountability system. So if you're ready to stop relying on hope marketing and ready to start building your own client acquisition machine so you can get a steady flow of clients, then it's time to step up and apply for clients by design and see if you're a good fit. Just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. And I'll be the first to say that this program is not for everyone. So far, we've only accepted about 25% of those who apply. So if you want to find out if you're a good fit, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach and fill out the application. Now here's our show.
1: Well, this conversation reminds me of how I started Chris Grandmastering. Mastering. You know, I, have told this story before, but I remember sitting on my couch and I want to say 2007 or 2008.
0: Not only did you tell this story before, you tell it about every two or three episodes. So make it short.
1: (laughs) This is true. This is true. So I'll make it short. I started wondering, you know, let's assume it's five years from now. I'm a successful mastering engineer. How did that happen? And I said, well, the first problem is people don't understand what mastering is. So I would imagine I would have had some kind of website with a before and after player where you can switch back and forth in real time. We talk about this all the time, but that was why the business took off. I made it easier for people to imagine, what will this be like after Chris works on it? And that made it so simple for people to be like, oh cool, that sounds way better.
0: Yeah, I'll hire him And this is where I see people mess this up the before and after player is way more common now So I see that a lot more often So it's good for people to visualize but usually what I see is at best they will have a brief explanation of what mastering is And it will usually be too technical for the person to understand Or it'll be too broad to sound useful. Those are the two camps. I see mastering engineers fall into on their websites and what that does is it leaves it up to the person to kind of paint the own picture in their head of how that's going to help them And if the picture is not painted clear enough, they will not hire you Mixing engineers same issue. They in no way really paint the picture of the transformation their music will go through Recording studios in no way do they think about the transformation their client is right now They have the songs and they want them recorded but they don't know how to pick a studio They're confused about this. They're confused about that at the end of the day. This is what they want They desire these outcomes They want songs that sound incredible that they can show off to their friends that they can put on spotify and launch to the world or whatever Like they have these visions in their head But you're not painting yourself as the bridge between that gap of where they are and where they want to be So this episode i'm hoping we can kind of dissect some ideas about not only where people fall short in this But how they can fix their broken marketing message and also sales message because this is something you have to use in both sales and marketing Totally This is what you can do to get people over the hump of actually reaching out and contacting you So when there are are droves and droves of online mastering studios or online mixing studios and you're in this red ocean this sort of Marketing message where you're talking about the transformation that your customer will go through if they hire you for your services Will be that momentum that carries them through the friction of filling out your form on your website and contacting you And when you get them on the phone for a conversation or you're exchanging emails the words you use to paint the picture of the transformation and the way you customize that message for that specific client and their needs and desires is going to be the difference of them handing over that 1 to 2 to 3000 dollar paycheck that they could have given to someone else. So this is a really important part of both sales and marketing that I think we need to discuss today.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of businesses out there that really lean heavily on the before and after. You know, obviously weight loss products come to mind. Fitness
0: products come to mind. That specifically is such a powerful thing the before and after that facebook ads ban you from using before and after photos in health products This is true. They will not let you do it in health pro- you, you cannot use before and after photos in facebook ads for like uh, weight transformation or muscle gain transformations or anything like that It is against their terms. They will reject the ads at best or at worst. They will ban your entire ad account if you do that
1: did you also learn that on the Digital Marketer podcast?
0: Sure shit did. Actually, it might've been that or their membership site. I was a member for like four or five months of their membership site.
1: I like that podcast.
0: Yeah, so that shows you like I have a mixing course. I never push it. Still, I get sales every single month. I don't know how. I have a mixing course and I'm just, I'll pitch it here because I never do. From shit to gold.com. I launched this thing like 2015. People still love it. They still buy it. It still transforms their mixes. And on the sales page, I use before after mixes of the mix before and the mix after, and I show every single step along the way. Not only that, I show my own students' results. Here's a mix of a song they did before they joined the course, and here's what their mixes sound like after they join and go through the course and learn from me. And those two things alone account for a lot of the sales I get because people can visualize the transformation that they will go through with their own mixes.
1: It simplifies to try to explain to somebody like, well, you know, what you're going to find is that like the low mids are going to have a more milky, you know, espresso-y, chocolatey, almond extract thing. Oh God, I hate that. That doesn't work. You can't use this flowery language because you are one relying on their literacy, which is a pretty
0: intense assumption that the person on your website is as literate as you are. Or the fact that they even have the same terminology. Chocolatey to one person means something completely different to another person because <laughs> audio terms are bullshit. What do you mean by that, Brian? I mean, it could be like, I mean, what does chalky <laughs> mean? What does what smooth mean in audio? What does color mean to adding color to a mix? Like these all in people's ears and heads are completely different for a lot of these terms.
1: Yeah. One man's warm is another man's muddy.
0: Sure. That's actually true. So like all this to say, show, don't tell.
1: <laughs> exact. Show, don't tell. There it is. Yeah. Yes. So that's what we're talking about is when you're having a conversation with somebody or whether they're on your website, you have to simplify it as much as possible to be able to explain you're going to go from this to this. Ideally, when I'm doing business coaching with somebody, what I want to see is that they double their income in a year. That's like if I'm talking with somebody about doing business coaching and I think I can double their income in a year, I will pitch the crap out of them of like you should absolutely do this, you should absolutely do this. If I don't think I can, I don't pitch them that hard. I give them an honest thing, "Yeah, we could help with this and with this and with this, but you know, you might want to work on this before you hire a business coach." To me, it's such an easier sell to explain to somebody, well, my goal is to double your income in a
0: year. Yeah. And that is such a much more clear transformation than saying, well, first we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. And then we're going to do this. And then you take this roundabout way to eventually actually, if they're still listening to you, even if they haven't tuned you out by then, eventually getting to the point of where the transformation leads. So- Last week's episode if you listen to the episode where we talked about going for the raw talent and putting it through your machine out to the other side Where you have helped someone go from like talent and idea or talent and aspirations into a fully released track That is a really good example of a really clear before and after state You're taking someone who has the desire the means and maybe the raw talent, but then understand how to do it They don't have the connections to do it They don't have any other means to do it and you're really their only key to achieving their dreams That is a really good example of a really clear marketing message that focuses on the before state of where they are now and the after state of where they want to be and how you are the bridge to making it across that giant chasm that they have to cross.
1: Yeah. You know, a really great before and after on that would be if you are helping someone build a career, you're taking someone with raw talent and you're helping refine that and make that into a product to be able to say, hey, we created a new artist name And they went from zero to 35,000 monthly listeners on spotify in two months and here's a graph that demonstrates that
0: Yeah, this is where you get into case studies when you're doing something that complex Case studies are really good. I mean interviews are a good way to show that sort of stuff off But here's the thing I don't want to confuse people because the more complex of a thing that you do the harder it tends to be To show that transformation But in audio we have the wonderful job of just being able to show people the transformation. We don't have to explain it we don't have to do any sort of long form thing, although that helps. But just showing an example of here's what this sounded like before they work with me. And here's what they sound like now after working with me. That's good enough for most of our listeners in most cases. There's a few examples where there's outliers, obviously, but you look like you have some pushback there. Pushback, Chris. No, no, I'm
1: totally agreeing here. But I'm thinking about shoes. Why? I'm thinking about sneakers. Well, you think about the revolution that there's been in shoes over the past, say, 50 years and that all of a sudden, you know, let's, I'm not a shoes expert, but like 30 years ago, Nike and Reebok and whoever else was like, we want people to understand the before and after of our shoes. If you wear Air Jordans, you will be more like Jordan.
0: That's getting often to me the false marketing message, which is not what I'm trying to push here, but it's a good example of, What worked really well instead of saying here's the shoes Here's the features and benefits of the shoe buy our shoe buy our shoe They said this and this is a complete mostly a bullshit lie But they said if you wear our shoes, you'll be more like mike and people bought that shit up They bought into that message They bought those shoes and that's the message that a lot of companies still use to this day is if you buy this product You will be more like this person and while that's not true
1: Be like Mike was the... Exactly. Yeah, was literally the tagline, which brings us to, we've mentioned this before, but brings us to the topic of an elevator pitch. An elevator pitch is so important. The idea behind an elevator pitch is you get on an elevator and you turn to your left and you see a very powerful, influential person. And you know they press floor 17, you're on the ground floor and you're like, I've got 17 floors to pitch them on my thing to get them to be a fan. And you turn to them and say, hey, you know, you're so-and-so. I'm a big fan. Hey, I've got a product I'm working on. I want to tell you about it real quick. You have to hook them in. You only have them captive for a little bit. You have to get them to buy in instantaneously. And Brian, you did a great job with our podcast. If you listen to the intro, our elevator pitch is the intro. I don't even remember what the intro is because I
0: don't (laughs) listen to this (laughs) show.
1: Spoken (laughs) from the
0: the co-host of the fucking show. The number one business resource for the audio industry, something like that. I actually don't remember either because I always skip the fucking intro.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's our pitch. And so incidentally, I can't take any credit on this at all. This is all you, but calling it the six figure home studio is also part of the elevator pitch. You hear that and you're like, oh man, that sounds kind of lame and a little, wait a minute. I wish I had a six figure home studio.
0: Well, let's bring this back to our audience because people are not running blogs here. They're not doing what we're doing here. I want to point out that you came up with a really good elevator pitch for your coaching. And that was, my goal is to double your income in a year. That's a quick elevator pitch for Chris Graham coaching. So go to chrisgrammastering.com slash coaching if you want coaching from Chris Graham.
1: We're still doing
0: free mini coaching sessions a lot. Basically, you're going to get in line if you want free coaching session.
1: Yeah, there's a fairly long line there. But yeah, please apply chrisgrammastering.com slash coaching. And I'll do a free mini session for you.
0: So... With our audience, it's a little different and everyone is a little different with this. So, if you're getting into the elevator pitch world, there's like a full format I teach my students that I'm not going to get into today. I don't want to make this about the elevator pitch because that's not really the point here. The elevator pitch is the part of this thing. And, and it's a good exercise to get you to start thinking through what sort of transformation do you bring to your customer? How do you bridge the gap between where they are now and where you want to be? You don't have to be responsible for the whole transformation, by the way. You don't have to get them from, I am this. Hopeless musician, and I want to be a rock star millionaire. You can just be bridging part of that gap, but you have to know where that gap is. You have to know where you are the bridge. Which part do you get them through? And then understand how to properly explain where they are and where you help them get to and make that part of your elevator pitch. So, see if I can come up with a bullshit example off the top of my head. But if I am a mixing engineer, which I am, and I can help your mix not sound like shit, which I can, then my elevator pitch which would not work for most people would be I help heavy musicians with their mixes so they don't sound like shit. No, 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 no. That's not your elevator pitch. It's like something about angry mixes. What's your tagline? Want pissed off heavy mixes? Yeah. So like that's not the greatest tagline, but it speaks to my audience in a way.
1: No, it is. It's a great tagline. So when you say, do you want pissed off heavy mixes? I immediately know what that means.
0: It's visceral. When we start talking about the specifics, like I actually want a elevator pitch And honestly, a headline on your website that disqualifies the people that are not your target customer and qualifies the people that are your target customer. And again, the whole point of this isn't necessarily to get into the technicalities of an elevator pitch or your website headline. This is more like, let's zoom out and look big picture and think about what is the transformation that you bring to them and how do you explain that to them in a way that makes sense, but not just explain, try to show them. Remember, show, don't tell.
1: Show, don't tell. But if you have to tell, use visceral language like Brian did, pissed off heavy mixes. So a good example of this and why this is so important is if you're going to run ads in Google or Facebook, you need a headline that, like you said, disqualifies the people that you don't want to click on the ad. So if I'm a folk musician and I'm scrolling and I see an advertisement for your mixing service and it says, want pissed off heavy mixes, I say, nope, and I don't click on it. And that's good because you don't get charged money because I'm not a qualified lead. If I'm in a heavy metal band and I want pissed off heavy mixes and I want my sound to sound heavier and more pissed off, I'm like, yep. And that momentum that like, yes, it resonates with me. That is exactly what I want. That momentum will drive me through your quote form because it's a perfect fit. It is one, so much more effective to tell that consistent story. And two, so much cheaper if you're doing paid advertising to have A pitch that qualifies and disqualifies simultaneously. To do the opposite that we do in our industry so long of like, hey, if you got audio and you want it to sound better, come on over to my website. (laughs) That doesn't work very well because all these unqualified leads are going to click on it. If you've started to mess around with ads like we've talked about and you found that your traffic is low quality, you've got one of two issues in my opinion. One, bad targeting. You're showing the ads to the wrong people. Or two, you're not disqualifying bad leads using your ad copy or video.
0: Yeah, and just to clarify, most of our listeners don't run ads. So this is not necessarily a topic that's gonna to be really relevant to them. But the overarching message is very relevant because this is the same deal on your website. Sometimes people are gonna find their way to your website that aren't good matches for what you do. Sometimes people are gonna get referred to your website or your social media page or you as a producer or a mixer or, or whatever it is that you do, and they're not gonna be a good fit for you. You want to as Quickly and efficiently as possible get them the hell out of there because they're going to be somebody that sucks up your time They're going to be somebody that's not a good fit for you And if you follow through and actually work with them despite that fact It's going to do nothing but hurt your business in the long run So part of this entire thing that we're talking about here where you're talking about the transformation and thinking through How you bridge that gap part of this is just admitting to yourself that 80% of the services and the shit that you do is in no way part of this transformation The number one thing I do when I do website critiques for my students The number one thing I do more than anything else is I look at the long list Four to six to eight to twelve services that these studios offer or claim to offer And i'm like what two of those services bring in most of your income because every single time two to three services Account for almost all of their income cut the rest of that shit out And if you offer more than two or three services, you can usually find out that one or two of those is really your moneymaker and how you bridge that gap. And the third is just something you throw up because occasionally you get hired for that and you want to make sure you're still in the running if someone comes to your site looking for that bullshit service that you make $1,000 a year off of. Like- DSing. (laughs) I'm a a professional (laughs) DSing specialist. (laughs) What a niche, dude. (laughs) Yeah, so part of this entire conversation- We have hypervigilance for sippelance. Did you sibilance is that yeah, sibilance? Oh, I thought you had a p in there. I was about to say no, chris
1: I might have had a p in there. Okay Hypervigilance also one of the main symptoms of ptsd.
0: Anyways, moving on. Let's uh, talk more about this Good ad dude. No, so when we're talking about this transformation you're helping people get through It's just as much about cutting out the fat trimming the fat in what you do as a studio as it is focusing on that transformation because In my own studio. I mean, I think my own website, I'm a hypocrite here. My own website, I think still has reamping on there. I haven't updated that site in years. I need to. I just have other priorities right now. I still have reamping as a service that I offer. There's no reason why anyone should hire me for reamping. You can get my exact guitar tones through STL Tones Hub, and you can literally load up my exact tone in their plugin and reamp your own shit. (laughs) So like, there's no reason for someone to hire me for that service. So like, even though that's part of my sound, and that's part of the things I do when I mix a song is reamp the songs with my tones. That is not a standalone service that I should be offering whatsoever. Totally. Yeah, and I think
1: FOMO comes into here.
0: Oh God, yeah. That's the number one reason people try to offer every service under the sun. It's because if I cast my net wide enough, then I'm going to get enough clients. I'm going to get more people because I'm appealing to more people. And like, I'm a fucking broken record. And I say this a million times, but if you try to appeal to everyone, you will appeal to no one. Part of that reason is because if you try to appeal to everyone, there's no way you can bridge all of those gaps. There's no way you can help all of those different people in all of those different situations with all of those where they want to be and where they want to go, all of those outcomes that they want. You can't help with all of those. You're not remotely qualified. I don't care how good you are. You can't help all people with all things. So know your strengths, know what transformations you can help people actually achieve and set your services, all your marketing and all your sales around that transformation and everything else can just be pushed to the side.
1: Yeah. The thing you gotta keep in mind with FOMO is I know what it feels like. You're on your website and you're making the services section of the website and you're thinking, I'm pretty good at DSing. I'm gonna add this as a standalone service.
0: <laughs> that's like our go to yeah. bullshit <laughs> example of like a shitty service now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. From now on, yeah, DSing. So you're thinking like, Well, man, if I put DSing on there, I'll probably get hired once every year for it. And that's at least fifty dollars. Yeah, I don't wanna miss out on that fifty <laughs> dollars. Dollars. So I'm going to put that on my website. What you're not grasping is that the FOMO that wants to put that on the website so you don't miss out on that $50 probably cost you $500 or $5,000 because you've diluted the message of what
0: you are and who you do. Because now you have to make sure that anything you say doesn't negate that message about we do DSing. So, I can't just call myself a mixing engineer. I can't just call myself a mastering engineer. I can't just call myself a recording studio. I can't call myself a Motown model. Not that you would actually use that term. There's like certain terminology and certain words you can't use because you're trying to open your opportunities up to these additional things like DSing services.
1: So, you need to improve your branding by removing DSing so you can DF your I I, I don't know where to go from that. I was going to DF your marketing. You can DF your marketing. There it is. That was so stupid.
0: I can't wait for people to hear how bad you are. <laughs> That's not none of this is getting cut. I know it's so stupid. You have to recover here. This is all on you, Chris. You recover. Go. Um.
1: After this, I'm going to meditate with my muse too. Uh, I got nothing, Brian. Help! Help!
0: I'm drowning. Let me save you real quick, Chris. There's nothing else to be said here. This episode's basically done. Yeah, you're right. Because. Again, if we keep talking, we're gonna dilute our message. Yeah, this is kinda of like the we had a similar episode recently, didn't we? We did, yeah, yeah when we just sort of ended it. Yeah. I like doing that. Yeah. So This is it. Let's shut up. Bye. Bye. <laughs>